welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Today we have Joel, the owner and operator of Level 10 Coaching. Level 10 stands for Level Up training, education, nutrition, which is something I really align with because at Tailored Coaching Method, we value education and really try to teach our clients as much as possible. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode with Joelle because her and I align so much. In fact, in the podcast, I actually told her that when I was browsing through her content, I thought that she was like the female version of me because everything she talked about was similar to the things I talked about, but just through a different lens. And she interprets things very similar as I do. So this conversation is very natural, very fluent, and very practical and applicable for all of you guys. Uh, We're going to dive into her story, which entails leaving her teaching career to start this coaching business, scaling extremely fast, hiring coaches, changing it to level 10 from uh, Joelle Samantha Nutrition. Uh, We dive into her personal journey of losing her menstrual cycle for 10 years and then getting it back through healthy, uh, natural nutrition methods, really, and, and seeing specialists going into hormone education. We dive into training as a female lifter. Uh, we talk about a lot in this podcast. I think you guys are going to get a ton out of this episode, whether you're male, female, entrepreneur, coach, client, it doesn't matter. I think you're really going to be inspired and you're going to learn a ton about health, hormones, nutrition, and training. Uh, before we get into this podcast, do me a huge favor. If you like this episode, take a screenshot of it right now on your phone, post it on your Instagram story, and tag us both. We want to thank you for listening and share it on our stories. Joelle's tag is at Joelle Samantha, and mine is at Cody McBroom. I'm going to put both of those in the show notes of this podcast so you can uh, read those and, and tag us on Instagram again so we can thank you for listening and share it on our story. Without any further ado, let's get into the episode with the one and only Joelle Samantha from Level 10 Coaching. Perfect thing to start with is your background, your story, why you got into coaching. You said that you were a teacher prior. I actually didn't know that until we were texting this morning, um, which is a really cool I mean, in, in a way, it's kind of ironic because you're still kind of a teacher, yeah. a sense, right? And I think that's really important. But um, for the people listening who don't know who you are, give us a little bit of an intro and kind of start telling your background story so we can get some context before diving into the topics. Yeah, sure. So I'm Joelle. I'm a health and fitness coach. I run a fitness coaching company called Level 10. 10 is an acronym for training, education, and nutrition. We want to level yeah. those up uh, with Level 10. So that's our, our little tagline there. Um, and basically I've been in the fitness industry for the past 
coaching specifically about eight years or so. Um, and I originally had, uh, my business was my, myself. I was a little solo show coaching people on the side of school. Um, I was in school for health and PE. I dual bachelored in health education and physical education. So I could be a high school or whatever school, uh, health teacher, PE teacher. Um, and in undergrad, um, this is kind of where my fitness obsession at some point formed. Um, I took an undergrad exercise science class for my health and PE major. And I just remember like all the health and PE people failing this class. And I got an A in this class and I was like, I love this. Like, where do I get more of this exercise science stuff? Um, and so I stayed in school, did my master's in exercise science. And then, um, when I finished that, I just went into teaching after that and got, got a teaching job right out of school. So through schooling, um, and through teaching, I still ran my business on the side, which at that point was just Joelle Samantha fitness. Um, and so that was growing and I, I had an Instagram and, um, I just kind of posted my own journey literally from the time I got an iPhone. Like I have been an OG fitness person on Instagram since 2012, I think was maybe when I got my first iPhone, I was a sophomore in college. Um, so you're talking like nine years ago, maybe 2011, maybe it was 2011 was my sophomore. Either way, it was nine or 10 years ago. Um, and fitness Instagram back then was a lot different. It was like, you posted a picture of an apple and you got 3000 likes. It was just a totally <laughs> different ball game than it is now. Um, but I just shared my journey. Like I, I was a cross country runner growing up, then went to college, stopped running, kept my same high school eating habits, gained 30 pounds my freshman year. That sparked me into like wanting to get into the weight room in college and learn more about lifting and losing weight. And that's kind of what sparked my own journey. And so I just started kind of sharing that journey on Instagram. Like I'd share my workout that day or like share a picture of the protein shake from Costco that I drank that day, like stupid stuff, but sharing my journey. And people just like liked it and they'd follow. And I, it was always weird to me. Like, why do they care what my workout is? You know, but obviously now like social media age, everyone cares about what other strangers are doing. Um, but at the time it was just like, this is weird. People are following me because they want to see my protein shakes and my workouts. Okay. Um, you know, and there was no like influencer sponsorships, like that stuff wasn't really around in the same capacity then. Um, but anyway, I eventually started taking clients. Um, it kind of formed from people just reaching out to like ask questions. And then it became like, Hey, could you coach me? Um, and I had the education to back it at that point. Like I had these bachelors in health and I had this, uh, master's in exercise science. And so, um, I was coaching on the side and, uh, ultimately Instagram was growing. My business was growing. Um, and after four years of teaching, I was just, it was a, it was a combination of a lot of things, but my final school year was a really tough school year. The, the administration of the school that I was working for is just, it was just not a great work environment. One might say toxic work environment, if you will. Um, New York city public schools. If we have any New York city teachers listening, um, I feel for you. Uh, but it was just a hard year. And also my health was just in, can I say shitter on your podcast? You can say whatever um, you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so health was in a really not good place. Health was in the shitter that final year. 
as a result of very, very high stress. Um, and I just felt really undervalued and underappreciated and underpaid to be quite frank. Um, and I had 150 people on a wait list trying to work with me because I could only take 20, 25 clients at a time, um, on the side of teaching. And so I just got to a point where I was like, this feels stupid. Like I feel really, really passionate about coaching. I love coaching. There's a lot of people trying to work with me who do value my education and who do value my work ethic and, and value my time. Um, and I'm not really getting that from, you know, the teaching space right now. And I love teaching. Like I am a teacher at heart. And that was something that I was like, trying to convince myself like, well, you're still going to be a teacher, Joelle. Like you'll still be a teacher. You're just going to be teaching in a different capacity. And that was like part of my convincing myself that I could like do this and take coaching full time. Um, and there was of course a lot that went into it. My husband's a financial advisor. So he of course like breaks out the spreadsheet, starts crunching all the numbers of like our expenses, my teaching salary versus like what my pension with the teaching, you know, with my teaching job was. And in New York city, you get free like health insurance, free dental, free eye care, like you pay nothing for insurance. That's great benefits. So it wasn't just like my salary that I'd have to make up. It was like salary plus benefits, plus pension, 401k, like everything. So he crunches the numbers and he's like, look, do you think like, here's your break-even number. Do you think you can make this in your business? And I was like, I think like, it's going to be a lot of work, but like, I think I can do it. You know, like I didn't really doubt myself, but I was just like, I don't know. I've never navigated the online space full time, but like I'm going to do everything I, I can to, to get there. Um, and so this is actually my first, so I left my final school year. I ended June, 2019. So this is actually okay. only my second. Yeah. This is only my second school year that I haven't gone back. Um, so I did, I continued to do, I left teaching, continued to do things on my own for a few months. Um, and then still I was like, okay, now I've taken on a few more people that I can take, you know, another 20 or so clients, but like, I still have this wait list that's growing. Like, what do I do now? Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to start building out a team. Like I need other coaches. I need other assistant coaches, um, because there's a, there's a demand, demand is high. And I, I'm one person. I can't possibly get to all these people. Um, so basically rebranded, uh, Joelle Samantha fitness into level 10, because I really wanted something to be bigger than just myself and my name. Um, so rebranded, re everything, new logo, new, just makeover of my coaching business started hiring out a team from there. And so level 10 was born in April of 2020. And, uh, we're not even a full year in, and it has been insane. We're now a team of 10 and, uh, needless to say that break even number was met long ago, which was really, really great. And, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been a whirlwind from like being this teacher that thought I'd make like you know, 80 K for the rest of my life to running a team, doing what I love, not having to answer to anyone other than myself, um, and still getting to teach and provide value in a way that feels really good, um, while creating my own hours and also getting to work in my pajamas. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's been a really crazy and wild ride and journey. Uh, but I'm super grateful for it and would not change a thing, honestly. I didn't, I had no idea that it, it's been that recent, to be honest. With oh you. yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Congratulations. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank um, you. It's, it's wild to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> so 
one question I have for you then is, and, and I don't know if this is something like it's a personality trait and you're like, oh, I've just always been that way. I just fucking take action. Or if it's a tactical yeah. thing, like, well, if I didn't have my husband as a financial advisor showing me the path mm-hmm. that this is safe, I wouldn't have done it. Um, but what allowed you to take the risk to change careers? Because that's a question I get all the time. And I get this from new coaches or people who are thinking of changing careers and getting into coaching. Um, and to be completely honest, I never really have a good answer because this is literally all I've done since I was 18 years old. Yeah. Like I just, I coach, I worked uh, at Rite Aid as a clerk while I was <laughs> training people for free at the very beginning. But like, ultimately I never had to take a risk. Right. This is all I did. Um, so I'm just curious, like what allowed you to take that risk? Yeah. So I think ultimately, and, and when I am asked this question, I mean, I'm very lucky where I had very supportive husband, a very supportive family. Um, but everyone, I think in their own way had their doubts. Like I'm super, super close with both my parents, my mom and dad, they're like, I'm going to get real cheesy here, but my mom and dad are like my best friends, my, my rod or dies beyond my husband, like 21st birthday went bar hopping with my parents. Like that is how lame I am. Um, and that is how close we are. Um, so needless to say, um, you know, they are always very, very supportive of me. Uh, but my dad grew up as a social work, not grew up, but worked as a social worker in an elementary school where he basically had teachers hours, teachers, pension, teacher, you know, benefits and insurance. So, um, when I talked to him about going full time, he was like, I don't know, like you're giving up a lot. You'd be giving up your benefits. You'd be giving up summers off. Like, and he was always very like, look, I support you no matter what you do. I'm just kind of like playing devil's advocate. Like want you to see both sides. Um, and truthfully, like in regards to you saying, Cody, like, is it just a character trait? When Brant had said to me, could you make this number? Like, could you hit this number? I said, I think so because I was trying to put into like monetary terms, like how many clients would that be? How many eBooks would I have to sell? But truthfully, the other answer to that question was, I won't let myself fail. I won't let myself not hit that number. It's just not in my nature. Um, So for me, that risk was like, it didn't, it didn't feel like that much of a risk to me because I felt like, I wasn't going to let myself fail no matter what. So if I convinced myself I wasn't going to fail, then like really what was the risk? And if there was failure, what would failure look like? Me going back to teaching? Well, I love teaching. So like when I thought about worst case scenario, if worst case scenario was going back to a job that I loved anyway, and still coaching part-time, which I loved anyway, then like worst case scenario wasn't all that bad. Um, I would have switched schools and not stayed in that specific school, but like going back to teaching being worst case scenario, which was something I already loved and was passionate about made, like it took away some of the risk. I I think that whole worst case scenario thing is actually super applicable and helpful for everybody. And nobody actually asked that question. Right. And if you really run through the scenarios, it's so helpful. It's I never remember, that bad. It's never <laughs> that bad. I, I when when we found out we were gonna have a kid, um, I, I was like, all right, this is my chance to get out of the gym, just go all in on this online. But I had to convince my wife to not go back to work. I was like, Hey, you're going on maternity yeah. leave, just never go back. That'll put some yeah. fire under me to do it. And uh, and she was like, Okay, well, what if you don't? And I was like, I'll fucking get a job at Best Buy or Costco. I don't care. Right, like, like I'll make it work. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll do something like there's, there's right. somebody will take me, you know? Right, and I think right. that that worst case, although I didn't want to do that, I'm alive. 
Like it's really not yep. that bad, you know? And I think, I think yeah. that mindset is super helpful. Um, now that you have scaled to 10 people and it happened extremely fast, yeah, um, as somebody who has scaled a business too, I know like that's yeah. very fast to grow. Yeah. It was a what lot are, at once. <laughs> what, what are the biggest lessons? Like so sitting back from it now, like what were the biggest takeaways or lessons and, and maybe even like, what would you have done differently if anything? Yeah. So, um, I definitely would have, I guess some of my advice is to be like, talk to lawyers, get contracts, make sure everything is like legally squared away. I think that's tends to be like last for people to think about where they're like, Oh, I should maybe get like, have a lawyer look at these or like, make sure that, you know, I don't get screwed over. And like, luckily I have not gotten screwed, but I've seen a lot of other people get screwed. And I, I would just say like, from a legality standpoint, that was a big lesson of like, I have a lawyer go over everything now, like my coaches contracts, my virtual assistant contracts, my sales call people contracts, my membership contracts that our clients use. Like I have a lawyer look at everything now because I just want to make sure like everything is solid on all ends from a business perspective. Um, other things that I've learned along the way, I think something that I didn't really expect when I, uh, started growing a team. I think originally I was just like, Oh, I'll start hiring coaches. And then they could take this overflow of clients. I didn't really fully grasp or understand that by hiring out, it meant that I was going to have to step to step into a new role as this manager slash CEO slash everything, um, for the team. And of course, like now I'm starting to hire, you know, different team members that can help me in running the show. Um, but I think I was not in scaling a business that quickly. I was not prepared necessarily for all the roles I'd have to step into of like payroll taxes, this, that, you know, managing clients, managing, uh, feedback, managing coaches, uh, managing all the sales calls, all the applications. Like it just became, oh my gosh, like I have a lot less time to actually coach now because I'm, I'm focused on everything else in the business. Um, so that was a big, I would say learning. It wasn't one particular lesson, but it's just been learned over the course of the months of like, okay, um, I'm in a different role now, you know, than, than I was as just a coach. I'm not just a coach anymore. Like I'm a CEO, I'm running things. Um, so that was a big lesson. Um, other lessons, uh, delegate. That was also something that I've learned along the way, um, is that you do get to a point where you're like, there are literally not enough hours in the day. If I don't have to sacrifice sleep, um, and I don't want to have to sacrifice sleep because I've, I've done that. And it put my health in a very bad spot to put that much stress on myself. Um, and so I've seen firsthand that when I am taking on too much, which I'm queen of, because it's just like the type a I'll do it myself in me. Um, but you get to a point where you're like, no, I actually need to ask for help and that's okay. Um, and so eventually like I started hiring an assistant and I hired, you know, started hiring other people to take sales calls. And, um, so delegating has been a really helpful and valuable lesson. Like I, I did as much as I could for as long as I could before I was like, okay, I, I, I need some help here. I need someone to help me. Um, so I would say that was a big one too. I could, I mean, I could definitely echo everything you just said. I think it's actually, after I asked you that question, I kind of sat back and thought like, it's almost, it's probably hard to answer that question because 
it's still I'm still learning. Yeah. Yeah, Like I'm still learning. So I could tell you so far, but ask me again in like three months and I'll have a new three things for you. Yeah. And I think whenever you think like, look back, what are the lessons are? And usually you're thinking like after three years of blah, 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 you know, like I think it's, it adds up, but, um, that, that last one delegation is probably one of the biggest things. Cause it, in, I've had the same experience over the last probably about 12 months of like, Oh wait, I'm, I'm not just a coach anymore. Like I identify as a coach and then you have to kind of shift to like, I'm a CEO slash marketer as well. Like more than anything now actually and leader of the team. And that's a weird thing, you know? Um, But I think, I also think it's all just a one big double-edged sword because if you look back at your story, you got into this just to help people. Like you were doing it for free, just trying to help people. And I think realistically almost every successful entrepreneur in our field um and i'd love to hear if you you agree and you think this is kind of what fueled your whole journey i think that's where all of those successful entrepreneurs in our field started they actually just started by not thinking like all right i'm gonna scale a business i'm gonna scale business become a millionaire by jumping into nutrition coaching or training it's like no i just want to help people because i'm like you said obsessed in a healthy way obsessed with the gym obsessed with nutrition obsessed with all this stuff um do you find that's the case with yourself and others yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, I didn't get super far into it, but the beginning of my fitness journey started with, I, I gained weight my freshman year of college and then the pendulum swung and I fell deep into an eating disorder, like trying to lose that weight. And so, so much of that eating disorder was fueled by misinformation in the industry that, you know, I thought that, uh, you know, fat was bad for me because that's what happened when I Googled stuff and carbs were bad for me because that's what happened when I Googled stuff. And I should be doing two hours of cardio a day. Cause that's what Reddit said, or that's what the bodybuilding.com forum said or whatever else, you know? And so I felt like the, I don't know if I want to call it the industry, but I just felt like. I was done dirty by the misinformation out there. And that's when I really started to shift my platform to like, I don't want to just post like ab selfies. I want to provide value and start educating people so that no one has to deal with the bullshit that I did. Like, I don't want to see other people fall into an eating disorder. And it just became like so common that as people got into their fitness journey, the pendulum swung, they ended up in an eating disorder because there's no regulation on the crap information that's going out or that someone can post up, whether it's on Instagram or online or on a website or whatever else. And so, um, yeah, that's where my coaching came from was just wanting to prevent other people from having the, the bad experience starting out on their fitness journey that I did. Um, you know, I was just talking to someone else on a podcast about this this morning that, there were, no one was talking about reverse diets and maintenance phases 10 years ago. So like when I was trying to lose that that college weight, my freshman year, like you kept dieting and no one told you how to come out of it. No one told you how to stop. Like there was no, like IIFYM was barely, you know, like macros were barely a thing, you know, back then it was like 2011, 2012, that started coming out more. Then you got like Lee Norton started talking about reverse dieting a few years later. And like, at 18, 19 years old, where I'm just like a college kid that wants to have fun, but also at the time just wanted to fit in her clothes and wanted to look good on a Friday night. Like you, I just kept losing weight and you don't, you don't know enough, or at least at that age, I didn't know enough to know that like, oh, this is not healthy. Now, like now I I lost the weight and I'm just going to keep going because I'm fearful of gaining it back. 
you know, there, you just didn't have accounts now that you do have like talking about maintenance phases and reverses. And so I've just been super, super transparent about my own journey because I know that when I started to learn, it was from, you know, about things like this, it was from other people and their experiences. And so I've just always been super open about my eating disorder process, about the hormone fuckery that I have gone through in terms of like a missing period for 10 years, PCOS, like getting my periods back. Just I've shared all of it because I just want to help people that are either in that situation or if I can prevent them from getting into a bad situation, like I just want to do that. So long story short, yes, <laughs> agree with you that the coaching definitely stemmed originally and still does from a place of like, just wanting to help. I never, never thought I wouldn't be a teacher. I never thought I'd be scaling a business. I never like started an Instagram with the, the idea or the hopes of becoming a, an influencer or whatever else. Like I just shared my journey and I've been sharing content along the way and people find it helpful. And it's allowed me to now scale a business in the way that I have. I love that. I love that so much because I can relate a lot to it. And it's funny because whenever I do a podcast, I'm like, let me do some homework, right? Let me look through their content yeah. and see what they're yeah. talking about. And I was going through Instagram. I was like, this is like a female version of me. Like <laughs> all the stuff you're talking about. Um, obviously, I didn't lose my period. But uh, for the most <laughs> part, so many things were so similar. Um, and, and I actually want to dive and even the timeline because I started around 2010, yeah. 11, like my weight loss journey and everything. Um, the same people that you just mentioned were like, I went through a contest prep gained a bunch of weight afterwards yep. found Lane Norton on YouTube talking about reverse, reverse diet, like, what is this yep. thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think he was sitting by his pool in a lawn chair talking about like that was his videos back then and it was yep. like old, right? Um, but I, I want to talk about your hormone fuckery, your yeah. health issues. Um, can you kind of tell, talk to us about that story? I mean, you said that you were pretty transparent about it. So be as open as yeah, you can, because I think absolutely. that's helpful, but, um, what'd you go through? And then, and then obviously maybe like wind down to the part where you actually like kind of flip things around and how you did that. Yeah, sure. So, um, I was on birth control for 10 ish years, eight, maybe eight or nine years. Um, and so, while I was on, I mean, I was on the pill specifically from 18 to maybe 20, maybe 26, I came off. So roughly eight years, eight and a half years. And, uh, and so I was on the pill all that time. I never felt like I had any specific symptoms per se. Um, and at around 26, I was like, you know what? I've been married for two, three years now. Like my husband and I are probably going to want to have kids in another year or two. Like, let me go off the pill. I've heard horror stories about like people not getting their periods back right away. Like, let me just go off in advance and, you know, figure out a different, you know, contraceptive way to prevent, you know, child, uh, at the time. And, um, you know, and, and so I'm just going to go off and, uh, yeah, that was like, it was pu pure intentions. It was never like, you know, I really didn't know much about birth control or hormones or menstrual cycles at that time. Um, I've since learned a lot more because I was forced to, um, but, uh, I went off the pill and a few months go by, I still don't have a cycle, like three months, still no cycle, no period came back. Um, about six months in still no period back. And now I'm starting to notice some other symptoms. Like my hair is falling out. Um, and I have no cycles. I feel really fatigued. Um, I feel really swollen, like puffy inflamed. Um, and I start gaining weight. Now 
at the time I was tracking macros, like very closely I've tracked macros. I mean, now I, I don't really track much anymore. If I do, it's very loosely because I have a lot of years experience of it. But, uh, at the time I was tracking macros pretty diligently. And so to know exactly how much I'm eating and to see the scale go up when I'm like, this shouldn't be a surplus for me. Like these are maintenance calories for me. Why am I gaining? Like, this is not making sense. I haven't changed anything about the way that I eat. And so now I'm like, something's up. So I try to put myself into a deficit and it's like completely unresponsive. And I'm like, okay, I've never seen this happen on a client before. So what is happening? Like I've, I've never experienced this with myself. I've never seen it with a client where someone's body is just unresponsive to a deficit. They're gaining weight no matter what. And so, um, you know, you, you think, okay, if this was a client, maybe they're not being compliant, maybe they're not tracking correctly, but it's me. So I'm like, I know I'm tracking correctly. I know I'm doing this right. Um, and I'm still gaining. So I want to say maybe like six months into this, um, I, I go and see an OBGYN. They're like, I'm sure everything is fine. It just takes a few months for your cycles to come back. Don't worry about it. They run some lab work, basic level blood work. Everything looks quote unquote normal. Okay. Send me on my way. Another few months go by still gaining weight uncontrollably. Now I'm getting like super anxious. I'm starting to struggle with depression. My mental health is not in a good place. And I think some of that poor mental health stemmed from that there were some like cortisol and blood sugar and hormone related issues. Like my estrogen was non-existent. My progesterone was non-existent. Um, and later came to find out my testosterone was through the roof and that's where that PCOS diagnosis ended up. Uh, But, um, the other part of the mental health side of things was like, here I am. I just, I, I I want, I, at the time I was still teaching, but I had the itch to potentially leave teaching. And I was like, I'm a health and fitness coach. I'm a health teacher. I feel so out of control of my body right now. I don't, don't know what's happening. I'm someone that people look up to in the industry and I can't even control my own body right now. Um, and that was the hardest part, I think of all of it was just coping, like almost feeling like an imposter, which I I truthfully don't have a ton of imposter syndrome, but for that time period, I felt like such an imposter. I was like, I thought I knew health, but apparently I don't, I can't even control my own body. I can't even control my own health and my hormones. Like I did this to myself. What, like, what happened? Where did I go wrong? What's wrong with me? Um, and so eventually I went to another doctor, um, a different, uh, she was a OB, she was a reproductive endocrinologist. Cause I was like, this lady will know. And I'm in New York city. So I'm like trying to find the best of the best reproductive endos that can like, tell me everything about my hormones because I'm in this position and I'm clueless, but like, I, I want to learn, I want to learn more about all of this. And so I go to this doctor and she was just terrible, awful, like awful bedside manner. It was a terrible experience. They do an internal sonogram. They test my labs. They see cysts on my ovaries. They see the high testosterone. They see the weight gain. And they're like, she's just like, oh, you have PCOS. Just like, it was like, oh, it's raining out. Like, oh, you have PCOS. And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I have no clue what that is. Like, I know what it stands for, but that's about it. Um, you know, I don't know much about it, um, at that point. And so, Uh, she was like, well, it means, um, that weight loss is going to be really hard for you. And, um, you're going to have trouble losing weight. 
And, uh, if you want a period back, you should go back on birth control and, um, you're going to have a really hard time having kids. So come back and see me when you want to get pregnant. And this is like, what was just dropped in my lap. And I just left the office and I literally like walking down Manhattan streets, sobbing, like, don't even want to call my husband, like just embarrassed and ashamed because now I feel like I did this to myself. And, you know, this must've been from my eating disorder. This must've been because I've been working myself too hard or because I'm getting up too early and working too late and doing too many things. And, um, you start to go through this spiral of like blaming yourself and here, this person just like, was basically like, oh yeah, you're not going to be fertile and you're going to just be, you know, have weight gain forever and never be able to lose this weight. And at this point I'm like, so uncomfortable in my body, my leggings aren't even fitting. Like if your leggings don't fit, we got an issue. Like girls know you got an issue if your leggings are not fitting. And so, um, that was just like a really bad, bad experience scheduled another doctor point. I'm like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I like, first I was sad. And then I got angry, like at the way she was treating me. I'm like, I'm going to go see another doctor. So now I'm on like my third or fourth OB or endocrinologist. And now I start getting the same answer. Like it's PCOS. What do you want us to tell you either go back on birth control and here's a metformin, you know, prescription, which is, you know, obviously for typically insulin resistance, diabetics. And so I remember saying to this doctor, instead of trying to put me on birth control to manage symptoms, quote unquote, and instead of trying to put me on metformin to manage my blood sugar, can you tell me why my testosterone is high? Can you tell me why my estrogen and progesterone are low or why I'm insulin resistant? And no one could explain anything to me or they didn't want to, or they didn't know. I don't really know. Um, but I just did not get any of the answers. I was just like, I'd rather figure out the root cause of my insulin resistance or the root cause of my high testosterone and address those instead of just like, I felt like taking metformin or, or going back on birth control just felt like a band-aid solution. And I just wasn't interested in that. Um, and this was really before I, I knew much about birth control or hormones at all. I just like got an icky feeling like it just doesn't feel like the right thing to do. And I'm someone that advocates for my health. I just want to learn more before I make any decisions. So of course, naturally I come home and I'm like looking up everything I can about, you know, PCOS, hormones, high testosterone, cortisol levels, everything. And I start doing Dutch testing. I start calling in, you know, uh, different labs from home and hormone labs and thyroid labs and start just like using myself as my own experiment to get to the bottom of this. And so eventually I was introduced actually on Instagram to, um, an integrative practitioner, um, who just like blew my mind. I got on one consult call with her. I sent her all my labs before the consult and, uh, she gets on this consult call with me. And like, before I could even say anything, she's like, I bet your symptoms are this, 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 this. And I'm just like, tell me what I need to pay you. Please fix me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just like, I felt it was the first time in that journey that I felt heard. And she was like, yeah, well, it makes sense. This is stemming from this. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen Dutch testing where it's like super involved and she's going through everything about, you know, my phase one and phase two liver detoxification and, you know, just all different pieces of everything that no doctor, you know, sat down with me and explained to me or anything like that. And certainly I'm never here to bash conventional medicine. Like if I, if I break an arm, I'm going to go to an ER and see a doctor. I'm not going to call a naturopath, but in this situation, I just wanted someone that would dig a little bit deeper. And she did. Um, and she was great. And I remember her wanting to start me on some gut protocols and me being like, my gut's fine. My hormones are the issue. And she was like, 
oh honey, like those are so interconnected. Your gut is connected to everything. Um, and so I started doing all these different gut protocols with her and did some elimination diets and really got a handle on that inflammation. We were testing my blood sugar. I was pricking my fingers a bajillion times a day, testing my blood sugar and, um, everything. And, and eventually, obviously it was months and months later of work. Um, but it was a lot of, I mean, overarching theme was just massive stress management. Like instead of getting up at 4am to go train and lift fasted before my school day, you know, let's sleep in for those extra two hours. Let's get an extra two hours of sleep and work out later after work or on my lunch break or at a different time. Um, and let's start, you know, um, swapping out one lifting session for a yoga session instead to decrease some stress on the body. Um, let's pull you out of a deficit. Let's do X, Y, and Z. Let's take a look at your sleep and blood sugar and gut health and whatnot. And so overarching theme for sure was managing stress and and uh, taking a look at my drains and charges to recognize that my drains drastically outweighed my charges. Um, and uh, again, I, I, that's the type A in me. And I see PCOS and things like hypothyroid in a lot of type A people because you're so go, go, go. And you're just like, you do what needs to be done. And you don't think twice about it until your health is down the toilet. So anyway, fast forward. About a year and a half after I came off the pill, I got my first cycle back. And so now um, I am 10 months into 10 consecutive cycles that have all come back. They started out longer, started at like 45 days, then shortened to like 38, 35, 30. And now we have been 27 days for the past nine of those 11 months or so. Um, and so it's hard when people are like, what did you do? I'm like everything, <laughs> everything that I could, but again, overarching theme was just like massive stress management. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say like, oh, stress management. Or like when people are like, what do I do about my PCOS? It's, it's such a cop out to be like manage stress because people are like, well, I don't feel stressed. Right. Or like, I'm not that stressed. Like I work from home. I'm not commuting anymore. And I'm like, your stress goes so much more beyond, you know, when it comes to that stress reduction, um, it was the first time I realized, um, and actually Sam was someone that, um, really opened my eyes up to this when I, I, he was like one of the first people I called when I told him about the PCOS diagnosis, I'm like, tell me everything, you know, I know nothing about this. Um, and he was like, you got to bring down stress. And I'm like, Sam, like, I'm fine. I'm not that stressed. And he's like, you get up at four, you train fasted, you go to the gym before you even start your teaching school day. And then you're teaching on your feet all day. Then you get out of teaching and you go start client work for the day. You walk to and from the gym everywhere. You're getting like 20,000 steps a day. You're training six days a week. You're doing lifting, cardio, everything on top of two jobs. Like what do you mean you're not stressed? Like, and it was the first time I was like, huh. But that's where you have that realization of like, well, I don't consider that stress. I just like, I do what I need to do. I'd show up and get the job done. Like I'm, I have to, I train at 4am because that's when I can fit it in. Um, and so when I learned that stress management meant more than just your like mental health and the traffic you're sitting in or a deadline at work, um, you know, managing stress is managing your blood sugar, managing your gut health, your caloric intake, energy balance, training intensity, frequency. Um, so that was a big wake up call for me. And so, um, there was a lot that I did over the course of that year and a half to, 
uh, bring stress down. Um, and I would say in the beginning of that journey, like it got worse before it got better, but, it, but then it did get better. Um, and that weight eventually came off when I stopped trying to lose weight and just started focusing on my health instead. Um, so it was also a really big shift not to like go off on a totally different tangent here, but it was a big shift for me in being very macro, like calories in calories out, uh, focused to being like, wait, there's a lot more to this health thing than macros. Like there's a lot happening beneath the surface that people are not paying attention to. Um, and it was really cool. Cause as a coach, I was able to apply everything that I was learning in terms of stress and biofeedback and circadian rhythm and supplementation and gut health. Like everything I've learned, I've been able to bring to my coaching practice, which has, you know, allowed me to become a much better coach because of now what I've learned and experienced. Um, but yeah, that's sort of been the, the process I love it. <laughs> of catching you up to speed here. There's so many little parts I want to pick apart, but I want to yeah. highlight something about the stress. Cause I think that's super, super important. And number one, everybody listening to this podcast can take that and go improve your stress, just audit your day-to-day life and then just improve where you can. But the, the insight that I had while listening to you, cause I can relate to that a lot is this is the double-edged sword of the personality type you have, right? The personality type you have is very productive, very energetic, yeah. very enthusiastic. It's you're a go-getter, you're an action taker. But because of all that, you're also very positive-minded and, and, and process-oriented. Yeah. So I always talk about stress capacity, right? Your stress capacity is so high that you don't perceive stress as stress. You're like, yeah. well, I'm happy, like I'm good, this is success. And yeah. I, I got into the same pattern where like, you know, I, I don't know what it's the technical term is anymore, but there's like, 0.003% of people who can get like very minimal sleep and be totally fine. Like there's like an actual gene that you can have in your DNA mm. that allows you to get I am by. not one of them. <laughs> so I was the type that would be like, oh, that's definitely me. That's like 100% uh, me. I don't need much sleep. I'll sleep four hours, five hours. I just keep going. You know, I can train every day, all this stuff. Mm. Um, I got blood work done. My testosterone was really low. And I was like, fuck. So I talked to my uh, hormone buddy. Sam is one of them. Yeah. Um, talk to another one, uh, a guy named Adam that actually lives in my neighborhood. He, in, in both of them, dude, you got to sleep more. You got you to recover more. And I'm like, I'm not stressed though. Same yeah. thing, right? You're like, I'm out, recovering like, fine. Can, can I take some like ashwagandha or something? And, and <laughs> <laughs> can I out supplement this? Right. Exactly. Um, so I think that's huge because I think a lot of people listening can probably relate to that too. There's a lot of lifters and entrepreneurs and coaches listening that you guys might not perceive stress as stress like we define it, but the reality is, is stress is stress period. And it's, and it's everywhere we go, good and bad, but either way, it's going to wear at your body. And that's what has that effect on you, your health, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that also is what kind of brings you back to like, you know, your point about the ashwagandha of like, don't even talk to me about supplements until like your sleep is solid. Your training is solid. You know, you're, you're sleeping, you're managing stress. Like you can't outside supplement. And sure there were supplements that I took. And, you know, I don't think that there was necessarily any supplement I took that made me get my cycles back. Um, you know, I supplemented nutrient deficiencies that were present on my lab work. So I'm sure that helped my body in some way to, you know, uh, replenish those deficiencies. But, um, you know, I wasn't going to just like take ashwagandha and I would start losing weight again and all my stress would be gone, you know, or L-theanine and all my stress is going to be gone. Um, so sure, you know, supplements have their time and place, but to rely on that exclusively to replace sleep or to replace a charge as opposed to a drain, it's just, it's not, they're not comparable. 
No, it's a supplement. And it's actually why I love Legion so much. When you go to the homepage, Mike's like, yes. there's a video where he's like, you don't need supplements, but if you're going to take them, you should take ours. Take kind of good thing. ones. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it's like, that's a very honest approach to your marketing. Like, I like that. Um, yeah. No, that's perfect. Uh, one of the things I, I wanted to talk to you about, because just looking at your content, something that I aligned with really well is that uh, the way I would phrase the question is, is calories matter first, but do they mm -hmm. matter most, right? So a lot of people think it's just calories in versus calories out. And I personally believe that that's a cop-out from a more in-depth intellectual or educational answer, right? If I just yeah. say SECO over and over and over again, it's just a way of me not really giving you any solid information. Um, but being intelligent, I also know that calories in versus calories out matters a whole lot. So right. My question to you is like, how do you educate your clients on that? Like, yes, calories matter, but there's some other shit in there that matters too. Yeah. So the best way I like to put it is that Seco thrives best when your underlying health is thriving. Seco, mm. um, I feel, uh, yes, it's still working, but it works in a different capacity if there are other metabolic issues at play. Mm. Like if you have a thyroid issue or you have a hormone issue, yes, calories in calories out is still the name of the game, but it's working differently. It's working in a different capacity than it was previously when your system was thriving optimally. So, um, that kind of goes, you know, what I was talking about before of, of feeling like I had this shift. I, I personally experienced this shift from like macros, 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 calories, calories, calories to like biofeedback, underlying health, blood sugar, gut health, and also calories. Um, so yeah, I think this is, it's hard because content wise, I try to think that I do a good job of taking complex topics and making them easily understandable for people. The problem then lies in not oversimplifying something so much that then you're doing like the science a disservice. Mm -hmm. So it's like this fine line to, to walk because you don't, you know, so many things are overcomplicated in the fitness industry that it just, you know, I, great examples. Like if I do a Q and a on my stories, sometimes I just get questions that are like, why are you even, I, I you know, my response is like, why are you even stressing about that? Like that should be the last thing you're thinking about, um, you know, in terms of, uh, health and fitness and, and where your priorities need to be. You know, it's, it's like someone asking about, you know, intermittent fasting or someone asking about carb cycling, like, don't worry about carb cycling. If you can't even nail one set of, of macros, you know what I mean? Or like, don't worry about what supplements to take if you're not sleeping, you know? So sometimes I, I will simplify things, um, or explain topics in an easily digestible way, but then there is that point, like you said, as, uh, when you do know more beyond calories in calories out, you're like, how, how complicated do I want to present this information? Like how much do I want to dive deeper into this? Um, but I think that calories in calories out is still, obviously we know it's a really important piece of the puzzle. Um, but when it comes to macro tracking and calories in calories out, what I don't like is that when you are eating just for the sake of hitting certain numbers for the sake of energy balance, you're probably ignoring a lot of other biofeedback. You're ignoring your hunger cues. 
you're ignoring your satiety cues so that you could hit, you know, a certain macro or like, okay, I'm not hungry, but I still have 50 grams of carbs to hit. So I got to go eat that. Um, and then you kind of think about like, well, what's the impact that that's having on my gut? Because now, you know, I wasn't digested from my last meal, but I have macros to hit. And so now there's a gut issue at play or a blood sugar, you know, factor at play. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's, there's other factors there. Like, um, you know, when we're so hyper-focused, at least this is how it was for me personally, where I was so hyper-focused on the macros at some point and so hyper-focused on the calories at some point, like I was ignoring the fact that like my hair was falling out and I was fatigued all the time. And I wasn't paying attention to these other measures of health, these underlying measures of health health because I thought calories were the only thing that I needed to worry about. So yeah, is calories and calories out and, and macro tracking? Sure. Like, yeah, it's important. Energy balance is important, but it's important also to recognize that it's, it's, there's a massive difference between macros and health. That's, that's the best way I could put it. Like health is not macro and macros is not health. They're, they're two separate entities. So you tracking macros doesn't mean you're healthier. Like you having the right energy balance doesn't mean you are healthy. Um, there are other issues at play in terms of reproductive health, thyroid health, metabolic health, and so on. Well, and I think one influences the other, right? And like, that's why I yeah. love that you, you said like the whole capacity thing. Cause I think that you know, I was asked on a podcast uh, about, which I'm sure you're familiar with the muscle and strength pyramids, right? Yeah. Amazing setup. I love it. And yep. it taught me a ton. Um, and if you listen to, to Dr. Eric Helms, like he dives way deeper than just a pyramid, right? And, and the question was like, is that your, like, do you agree with that? Is that how you order things? And I was like, well, overall, yeah. But, you know, there's certain situations that meal timing actually influences somebody's ability to even adhere to those calories or supplements make a big difference on how they feel. And that's going to allow them to adhere better to those calories. Or maybe their macros don't matter as much as their micros because of the state of health, right? So I think that you can't, you almost can't. And actually, Eric was on the podcast, and, and I, I don't know if it was this topic or another, but I used a hierarchy as an example. And he said he likes to not look at it as a hierarchy, but more of like a flat line because everything's equally important. It's just about what you do first, right? And I think that's right. really, really important for people to understand. Because um, I think it's well, a lot more nuanced than people recognize. Yep, 100%. And I think, I think people, like you said, it's hard to educate people properly and you do a good job at that. Um, educating people on enough of the science, but not confusing them or overwhelming them and just giving them a taste of what they really need to understand. And, um, I think that's the, that's the big key with like gen pop people is, isn't yeah. stop splitting hairs. Like there's, there's mm -hmm. not so much, which actually, this is perfect segue into, into one of the last questions I want to ask you. Um, about training, like how women should be training. And, and I'm sure you get this just as much, if not more than me of like, I don't want to get bulky or I don't want to build muscle or shouldn't I do more cardio or circuit training classes. And you obviously talk a lot about strength training. Um, and I think that's important, but you also don't demonize aerobic training and cardio, which I love because I think they both have a place. Um, but coming from you, like you just talked about how your testosterone was higher uh, for a while. Well, testosterone might help somebody build more muscle and you didn't get super no, jacked and bulky no. like Olympian. So like, that's a perfect way to like right. tell people, Hey, it it's was, not going to happen. Don't worry. Yeah. It, it was, uh, I, it was actually something I joked about. My husband and I both joked about it when, um, you know, 
when you're using humor to, you know, cope with whatever shit you're going through. Um, but it was something we joked about like, dang, with all this testosterone, like I better be building some crazy muscle. <laughs> it does not work like that. Like my testosterone was through the roof. My estrogen and progesterone were super low. And, uh, you would have thought with that level of test, like I was, I would be getting soul. Um, it was not like that. And, uh, and, and, females specifically, um, are not physiologically building muscle the same way as men. Like this is not a, a sexist remark or anything like that. Like this is just human physiology. We're physiologically different. Our hormonal makeup is different. Our musculature is different. And so, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, I hate that argument of like, oh, I'm, you're going to get bulky if you, you know, lift weights. I think it's a very old school way of thinking and it's rather naive. Um, I think that notion comes from seeing like old school bodybuilder women, you know, that were on steroids and were pushing, you know, PEDs and, uh, and for the average gym goer to like, go lift some weights, you're, you're not going to look like that. Like I've been, I've been trying to get bulky for 10 years and I'm still not there. So, um, you're not, you know, I never want a woman to, um, or female, you know, to feel intimidated by the weights or not lift because they're fearful of that. You know, that's, it's like this whole toned culture of like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to get bulky. I just want to get toned. And I'm like, you do realize that the toned look comes from building muscle, right? <laughs> um, so that's, that's always a good thing to let people know is like that toned look you're looking for is actually the result of building muscle. Like that's where that look is coming from. And then losing some body fat along with that. Um, and then just to your, your point about cardio and, and lifting, um, I, I, maybe this is just the teacher in me. I don't know, or the coach in me, I don't know, but I, like, I just want to see people moving in whatever way feels good for them. Yeah. Um, do I think at, there's a, there's a point where certain modes of exercise for certain people in certain chapters of life can be a detriment. Yes. Um, I was doing too much at once in a certain chapter of my life. And that's part, you know, partially where my health went wrong. Um, if someone is hypothyroid and has PCOS and Hashimoto's and they're doing orange theory seven days a week, I'm like, let's talk about that. Let's see where we can kind of move things around a little bit or, or, pull some of that training frequency or swap that frequency for, you know, something else instead, you know, so I, I certainly will never sit here and demonize any mode of exercise, but I do think it's important to recognize that different modes of exercise in certain dosages in different chapters of life are also really important. Um, you know, if I was training now, how I did when I was, uh, 20 or 21, like my body would respond differently than, than it does now. Um, so I think it's just important to recognize that, you know, the dose makes the poison and like, is orange theory bad for you? No. Do I think you should do it seven days a week? Probably not. But I don't think you should lift seven days a week either. So I think it's just important to recognize that there are considerations for different people with different health concerns. Um, but all exercises is, is good for you with, you know, if we're, if we're recovering, if we yeah. are recovering, when we are recovering, it's, it's a bell curve, right? Every, I mean, literally everything with training and nutrition can all be bad if it's done in excess. Yeah. Yeah. That's when it's like the dose makes the poison. Like we can overdo anything. hundred percent. Um, I love it. This, I mean, this hour flew by extremely. Yeah, <laughs> so 
Um, I could probably keep going. So we might have to get you back on and talk some, some more. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I love going through your business story. I think it's so cool. Um, again, congratulations on your success. You guys have grown so quick. It's been really cool to watch. Um, somebody I actually mentored for a while works for you, Courtney. Um, and she, Courtney uh, Thomas. Yeah, oh, I so love she, her so much. I forgot that you mentored her. Yeah. So she reached out when she first started working with you and she was so excited and had so much to say positively about you, which was cool because right after that, Sam hit me up and was like, Hey, I think you should connect with That's well funny. like you guys would get along and um so I love what you guys are doing I, I align yeah. with it so much um and I appreciate the type of person you are in the industry because I think we need more of you so thank you for all thank you, you do and thank you for coming on the show um before I do let you go tell everybody where they can find you Instagram website um YouTube yeah. wherever you're at wherever your content's at so they can follow and learn Sure. So uh, Instagram is Joelle Samantha, just first and middle name. Um, my coaching Instagram is level 10 coaching. You can find it linked through my page uh, website, level 10 coaching.co.com. Unfortunately, someone else owns that. Don't get confused. Um, I will buy it out one day if I can. Uh, but yeah, mostly just on Instagram right now. I'm not that cool to be on TikTok yet, um, but hoping to dabble into the YouTube or the podcasting world this year in 2021. So hopefully I'll be somewhere else soon, but for right now on Instagram. I love it. I'll put all that in the show notes so you guys can go follow. Yeah. I highly recommend it. It's great content. Um, and once again, thank you for your time. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.